Hello everyone, I'm Paris Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox, hosted by Richard Lummis. This is Tom Fox. This begins a special three-part episode that Richard Lummis and I do on President Harry Truman, General Douglas MacArthur, and Truman's sacking of MacArthur during the Korean War. We take a look at the leadership lessons from both MacArthur and Truman, and then what happened that led to MacArthur's sacking by Truman, and what lessons today's business leader can draw from this. It's a fascinating exploration of a significant point in U.S. history. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast about leadership. This is Richard Lummis, and I'm here with Tom Fox for another discussion on how to improve our leadership skills. We believe leadership is a skill which can be improved with study of both good and bad practices, and we try to draw interesting examples from many sources, including history, fiction, film, and business writing. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Richard. Today's discussion could be viewed as part of our series on presidents in the United States since it deals with Harry S. Truman, our 33rd president. However, rather than doing a full discussion of his life and career, today we want to focus on his leadership style. The general image of his style is encapsulated in his famous desk plaque, The Buck Stops Here. He certainly could be brusque and impulsive. Another famous story involving him uh, involves a letter he wrote a music critic who had panned his daughter Margaret singing, threatening to beat him up. However, his leadership style is far more nuanced and collegial than appears at first glance. David McCullough's Pulitzer Prize-winning biography, Truman, is a real doorstop, but it's an excellent source if you have the time left me with a new appreciation for both the man and his leadership style. Tom, where would you like to start? So, uh, actually, you really laid it out well, Richard, but where I'd like to start is a thriller novel written by Steve Barry, published in 2019, where uh, the protagonist, um, Cotton Mather, says at one point near the end of the book, he agreed with Harry Truman, quote, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. And what struck me about that quote, Richard, is literally in 2019, we have novelists talking about the leadership style of Harry Truman. And that uh, during our lifetime, certainly, uh, Truman's fortunes have uh, certainly risen, perhaps fallen, but uh, it's been an interesting way to watch how he has been perceived as a leader from up until uh, recently, uh, he had the lowest rating of any president in the United States uh, when he left office. Um, but his leadership style was was a true, if not breath of fresh air, very different than his predecessor, Franklin Roosevelt. And I think part of that was because of his uh, background. He, he grew up in Missouri. He was a serving officer in World War I, um, took men into combat, and uh, then became a haberdasher, um, <laughs> which he was not very successful at, uh, and then went into politics. Uh, he was part of, <clears throat> of a political machine uh, run out of Kansas City, and uh, he was never really, I think, uh, thought of as a true political leader in this country. Nevertheless, because of his integrity, he was put uh, in charge of a uh, what I would call a fraud, waste, and abuse committee, it was called the Truman Committee during World War II to uh, ferret out fraud, waste, and abuse. And if I could tie that to another present-day event, this past weekend I saw the Arthur Miller play All My Sons, which was a story about fraudulent manufacturing practices at a, 
uh, uh, automotive, excuse me, an aircraft facility. Uh, what it was based on um, a real life story that came out of, unfortunately, the Wright Brothers plant in Ohio, where fraudulent uh, parts were produced and then hidden from uh, the government and caused the death of several pilots. Uh, the uh, Truman, I think most people know, uh, ceded to the presidency after the death of Franklin Roosevelt. He had been vice president for 82 days. He was wholly, and I have to emphasize, wholly unprepared to become president. Uh, didn't even know there was an atomic bomb uh, being developed. But uh, one thing he had that I think you and I have highlighted throughout this podcast series on leadership is the ability to listen. Uh, we're going to talk about some of his other abilities, but, um, and if we could uh, <clears throat> let our freak flags fry with, fly with uh, additional cro cross-cultural references, uh, the man certainly knew his limitations, and he, uh, he used that. Yeah, he did. Um, at one point, I guess just after he'd become president, he said he thought there were probably a million people in America who were better suited for the job, but that it was his job, and so by God, he was going to do it. And I think that, that kind of sums up his attitude about being a leader, is if you're in the position, then do the job. And uh, we're going to get to uh, uh, his decision around termination of uh, Doug Douglas MacArthur in a subsequent podcast. But probably the decision Truman is best known for, uh, famous or infamously, is the decision to drop the two atomic bombs on Japan. And he wrote, or said as of, of that decision, the blood is on my hands. All my life, whenever it comes time to make a decision, I make a decision and forget about it. I will not allow myself to be paralyzed by introspection. And that's certainly uh, the decisive nature. But it's not uh, the decisive nature of someone making an impulsive or a rash decision. Uh, one of the things that struck me uh, in, obviously, the McCullough uh, biography, but in researching uh, for this podcast was how collaborative he was in knowing what he didn't know and seeking the guidance of others, not particularly being concerned about uh, persons who may have been perceived to be smarter than he or had more degrees than he or had degrees from more prestigious universities than he did. Uh, he utilized the advice of his counselors, uh, but at the end of the day, it was his decision. Well, and um, well, a couple of things about him I thought were, were fascinating. One was his, his total courage and integrity. Um, in, I think it was 1924, when he was running for a, a countywide office, he made an appearance in front of the KKK, uh, not to seek their votes, but to tell them what sorry excuses for human beings they were. And after he walked out, he, of course, lost the election because the Klan at that time had a great deal of political power. But I thought that was an interesting display of, of pure moral courage. Um, the other thing that I thought was he surrounded himself with some of the best people we've ever had serve this country. Uh, the Marshall Plan, uh, obviously George Marshall, Dean Acheson, um, just just a sterling cabinet. Uh, absolutely. Um, the uh, There was a Harvard Business Review article that I found uh, <coughs> talked about his reality-based leadership. <coughs> and there were several points that uh, the author had. One was he understood the limits to his power. Now, uh, in the business world, uh, perhaps some CEOs, uh, Carlos Goshen comes to mind, uh, or others, may not think they are uh, uh, have powerful limits, but in democratic institutions, 
leaders really have the ability to lead through persuasion and not coercion. And one of the things that uh, Truman recognizes, whether it's uh, the Newt Gingrich bully puppet or uh, leading by um, being a PR man, uh, flattering, kissing, and kicking people when they're uh, to get them to do what they needed to do, uh, Truman certainly understood the limits of his power as president. Um, number two, he didn't mistake himself uh, for the institution, meaning there was the institution of the presidency, which he deeply honored and respected, uh, and then there was himself who was fulfilling that role. Uh, you get to be president, uh, but uh, you're not president for life, and that uh, even though presidents and CEOs can and are treated like emperors, they're not. They're men and, and hopefully at some point a woman uh, in that role um, who uh, are custodians of not only that role, but the institution for the American people. An interesting point uh, brought up was uh, keep a jester in your court. Um, so we're both huge Shakespearean yeah. <laughs> fans. And so whether it's King Lear's Fool or just someone who would actually uh, challenge you and, and, and be, uh, we've talked about the contrariness We've talked about contra uh, opinions and how important it is for a leader to seek those out and have those. And then finally, uh, certainly as president, forget being popular. Uh, it's a job that's going to uh, upset people because of the decisions you make. We're going to get to that uh, most particularly in the firing of uh, MacArthur and some of the commentary around that. But during the first term when his uh, ratings fell, he laid the groundwork for the Marshall Plan and the Truman Doctrine, which were the cornerstones of American foreign policy for 40 to 50 years, uh, and certainly, uh, if not instrumental in the defeat of communism, laid the foundation which allowed later presidents to build upon that to um, uh, defeat the uh, Soviet Union in an economic battle for world domination, or at least world opinion. Um, on the point about the institution, um, one of the things that also struck me was that he was willing to honor the institution even at personal cost. When he left the White House, his only income was his Army pension of $112 a month, and yet he refused to serve on corporate boards or serve as an ad man or accept a free car, saying, you don't want me, you want the office of the president, and that doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the American people, and it's not for sale. So uh, could we maybe uh, take up some of these as best as we can around uh, probably his most controversial decision, which was to drop the atomic bomb? Um, I've always felt it was the correct decision uh, at the time. It was the correct decision based upon the facts on the ground, based upon the intelligence, uh, based upon where the parties were at that point in the war, and uh, based on the psychology as read by the United States of Imperial Japan and their willingness to uh, literally uh, fight to the death. But one of the things that struck me was how much counsel um, Truman took, and uh, as we noted a little bit earlier in this podcast, at the uh, at the end of the day, he made the decision, and he lived with that decision. Well, what kind of your thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm I'm sorry that we can't have a disagreement on that. I, I absolutely agree that he he made the correct decision. Um, one of the other characteristics of his uh, decision making is that he was a firm believer in deadlines, not necessarily creating an artificial deadline. But there is a time to stop discussion and make the actual decision. And in this case, he talked to all the people involved. He got their best opinion of casualties, of the psychology of uh, the Japanese, of Stalin, 
of uh, how the Russians would respond. Um, now, it turns out a lot of that was probably not 100% accurate. Um, I'm thinking especially of the, uh, the nature of the Japanese psyche. But, um, but no, I mean, and, and the other thing is he really didn't have a lot of uh, introspection about that. The, uh, uh, one of my favorite characters of American foreign policy and perhaps American history is George Kennan. And Kennan wrote a famous, uh, I guess you would call it a telegraph, but perhaps it was even a telex, if it was a thing back then, uh, called the long, I guess it was a telegram, the long telegram, which is a 6,000-word telegram that he wrote about uh, Soviet Union under Stalin after the war. And it was very critical of Stalin. It was very critical of where he was taking the Soviet Union and pointed out either, if not flaws and defects in American policy at that point, uh, a critique of American policy which had not yet been uh, fully debated, uh, I think, in public, particularly because the parties were allies during the war. And uh, the thing that stunned Kennan was that he received a response from Truman. And he received a response from Truman because one of the things Truman tried to do in educating himself was to actually sit down and read State Department cables. So when Foreign Service officers were performing the routine duties of, or extraordinary duties, in, in the case of Kennan, uh, perhaps uh, sending information back to Washington, they actually had a president who was reading that. And I couldn't remember any other example of a president going to that level of granular, granular detail other than uh, Lincoln during the war, reading individual telegraphs and uh, demanding casualty counts on a daily basis. Well, and of course, Lincoln did not have to deal with the flood of information that we do today. Um, and in Truman's time, he was dealing with more information than Lincoln. So I think, yeah, to a certain extent, leaders today are, are often paralyzed by the amount of information they're presented with. Uh, doubling back on the, the atomic bomb decision, uh, the other thing about that decision is there was no good decision. Millions of people would have died in an invasion versus hundreds of thousands uh, dropping the atomic bomb, which might or might not have worked, and you still might have had to have millions of people die in an invasion. Um, and yet, somebody had to make a decision. So they, they, uh, my recollection is, uh, and this is actually quite personal to me, uh, they were projecting one million casualties uh, on the from the against the invasion. Uh, those were yeah the U.S. casualties. Right. They, they were predicting that several million Japanese would be killed. Right. So um, a decision had to be made. A decision was made, and I, I really like your point on uh, deadlines, not artificial deadlines, but uh, but um, there's going to be some. Uh, human intervention, I think, that's going to require a deadline to be put in place, but having a date by which you will uh, research thoroughly, take that information, uh, loop it back into your decision-making process, whether that be with your counselors and advisors or yourself, and then coming to a decision and perhaps seeing if that uh, decision uh, is, if not meeting the approval of everyone, at least no one will uh, object to that as a, a vehemently wrong decision, and that's Something that perhaps we have not really fully explored previously. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, one of the other things that really struck me about him was um, the importance he attached to personal courtesy and punctuality. Um, he apparently had eight or nine clocks in the Oval Office, and he was kind of fixated on time. 
But a lot of the personal vendettas he got wrapped up in were related more to social snubs than to any policy disagreement. Uh, now, if we could maybe take another decision uh, that Truman made that had uh, as lasting consequences uh, as any other than perhaps the decision to drop the bomb, yet at the time may have appeared to be more of a political decision, and that was the uh, decision to recognize uh, Israel as a nation uh, when uh, Israel became independent from uh, Britain. I believe that was in uh, 1948, and to, to Truman, it's, uh, what I've read, it seemed to be more of a political consideration, that there were large numbers of the Democratic Party who were Jewish, and uh, that, they, that he felt that that was uh, a consideration he needed to take into account for his constituency. Uh, I'm not really aware, nor have I read anything that, that talked about Truman's knowledge of the Holocaust and that uh, the decision was based upon what had happened to the Jewish, uh, decimated Jewish population of uh, Europe, uh, leading to the creation of the homeland. But his decision there uh, obviously had uh, long-lasting consequences uh, that he could not have foreseen. But at the time, uh, I saw that, it, or what I've read, I would say, uh, seemed to me to be a political decision. Do you have a different take on that? I'm not entirely sure that it was based totally on domestic politics, but that, I guess, you know, you're right. I don't actually have any knowledge about uh, his information about the Holocaust at that point. I mean, it was, it was out in public at that time, um, so he certainly would have been aware of it. And I don't think anyone in the U.S. Foreign Service establishment really understood what they were doing in the Middle East. I'm not sure they do today, but... Uh, I would say both assessments are fair. But anyway, the um, yeah, I, th I think the difficulty with yeah was certainly not considered um, at the time. They they, they they were simply regarded as unimportant um, in a geopolitical sense, and so that I think the discussion uh, probably revolved around that as well. I guess Richard, whether we call uh, Truman the accidental president or something else, uh, one of the things that I grew up with uh, studying history was that you can grow into the presidency if you have the base character uh, to do so, and that uh, he may not have had the tools, he may not have been the smartest uh, person, but he took the time to learn, he took the time to surround himself. He didn't uh, have to take credit uh, for everything. Uh, you mentioned the Marshall Plan, obviously named for uh, General Marshall, announced by General Marshall, uh, and I think uh, there Truman actually uh, uh, did, did know that they called it the Truman Plan. It might not get through Congress. But uh, as named for General Marshall, it, it certainly did and, and was a, a laid a foundation for the recovery of Europe and for uh, the, the maintenance of at least Western Europe uh, within uh, a free and democratic society. Well, yeah, the um, I don't have it handy, but there's uh, the first time Churchill came to America after he'd uh, become prime minister again. Um, he told Truman that he thought Truman was probably the man most responsible for the, the survival of Western civilization, which coming from that source is <laughs> fairly high praise. Richard, uh, I think the debate on Harry Truman will be endless. Uh, I can remember my father uh, relating, relating to me how unpopular he was. Uh, certainly uh, at the end of his second term, the uh, Korean War was just a... Um, hole, black hole, abyss. 
that the United States seems stuck in. It probably did require new leadership to come in. Of course, that leadership was in the form of, of uh, war hero Dwight D. Eisenhower, uh, who at that point was very much uh, very popular with the vast majority of the United States population. Um, but uh, I can remember perhaps late 60s, but even early 70s, people were beginning to have a different view of uh, Harry Truman. And so some of the leadership qualities that he did exhibit uh, to make decisions, to surround himself with uh, top quality people, to solicit uh, their opinions and listen, coupled with honesty, humility, intellectual integrity, and uh, even a character that allowed him him not to be uh, the hero of every story, uh, may uh, may have led to uh, uh, a successful presidency. Well, certainly, I think the honesty and plain speaking are something that uh, Americans have grown to miss a great deal. Um, one of the things he could not stand about some people uh, was duplicity and uh, ambiguity. So it's kind of amazing that he ever got along with Franklin Roosevelt to the extent he did. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's neither here nor there. I, I think his, his reputation will continue to strengthen. I think the, um, the importance of civilian control over the military, um, which was part of the reason for his unpopularity at the time, uh, at the end of his uh, second term, um, is now, uh, it's fairly obvious that it's very important. Well, on that note, this is Richard Lummis and Tom Fox with 12 O'Clock High, and until next time, we'll hope you'll be listening then. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you will join Richard Lummis and I when we take a look next at the leadership lessons from General Douglas MacArthur in part two of our three-part exploration of leadership lessons about Harry Truman, Douglas MacArthur, and the decision to sack MacArthur made by Truman during the Korean War. This is Paris Fox again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 12 O'Clock High a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Dot com.